Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome to Absolute Holistic. I am your host, Lindsay Whitehill. For today's podcast, we will be discussing the practice of meditation. Joining me today is meditation expert, Victor Reyes. Welcome, Victor. I know you don't like that term, (laughs) but I didn't know what else to call you. So (laughs) Um, why don't you tell us uh, to begin with a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, well, I was lucky enough to have retired five, going on six years ago. I was one of the district judges here, and so I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Okay. Um, so I was a public defender for 15 years and a district judge for 15 years. Okay. So about five years ago, I retired, um, and so I've had the um, absolute um, benefit and pleasure to have uh, traveled and while traveling, engage in um, several retreats or wor- and workshops related to meditation, mindfulness practices, yoga practices. Um, so it's uh, so that's basically what I've been able to do over the past few years, and then I spend time in um, different facilities. Um, uh, I'm in el- elementary school in town and also some correctional facilities where I've been able to um, introduce these practices in correctional settings. Right. Wow, that's interesting. So how did you go from judge to practicing meditation? Because I'm sure, you know, there's not a lot of judges that practice meditation. You you would be very surprised. It's something... (laughs) Or maybe they need to. (laughs) No, definitely. I agree with you totally on that. Um, They and I think uh, a lot of people would benefit from meditation, but specifically judges. In fact, there's been a whole movement that a judge who was in charge of what was called the Federal Judicial Institute that did all the training for federal judges across the United States. He actually put out a paper on the benefits of mindfulness for judges and was actually doing seminars on that and uh, how engaging in these practices could make you a lot more um, efficient Mm -hmm. on the bench and um, increase your awareness, your sensitivities, uh, so yeah, it, it's definitely something that within the judiciary is getting a lot of notice. And I think it's part of this whole wellness movement um, to deal with issues like secondary trauma from listening to you know some things that human beings sh- shouldn't be listening to uh, that flow from things that human beings have the capacity to do to each other. Right. Um, and so listening to that day in and day out um, it was just it just burns you it oh, burns yeah. you out and fries you and so about um, so the first time I heard about mindfulness was I'm gonna say 40 years ago I, I um, a friend of mine had had some pain in her jaw so she was actually practicing meditations in order to deal with it was a TM TMJ, TMJ. yep mm-hmm. um, and so that's the first time I heard about it so I remember sitting down with her a couple times and for me, sitting down was okay. Well, you know, we're going to spend some time here, and I'm going to think about what I'm going to be doing for the next week, which <laughs> yep. I, I it was not evidently meditation. Yeah. So, so, um, and then you know, fast forward years later, um, I ended up reviving an interest in specifically Tibetan Buddhism. Okay. Um, uh, and I picked up a book, and then through that book, started engaging some practices. 
then started um, going to the Fountain of Health Yoga Studio, which yes. is located across the street from the library. Yes. And then getting uh, deeper into a yoga practice, um, taking the meditation courses that, that were offered there by Glenn Ballantyne, which is a, I mean, he, he's got a, um, his meditations are based more on Yogananda, Kriya Yoga, that's where he's coming from. Okay. Um, so I, you know, so I learned that. And, and then I started noticing the effects. Okay. Um, more calming. And it really came to a head for me in how these practices, practices actually helped when I was doing a fairly long trial, a two and a half month long trial mm-hmm. up in Colorado Springs. I was covering that because of some various reasons. And then in between, like during lunches or recesses, I went back into the, to the room I'd been assigned, you know, as, as your chambers, and I got quiet. Or I did some yoga practices. Yeah. And so I noticed that I wasn't tired in the afternoons, like I'd usually been, even on short, much, much shorter trials. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed I had a lot more awareness of everything going on. I mean, you try to be aware of, you know, how, what the jury's doing, what the audience is doing, you know, what faces people are making, how you're reacting. I mean, there's so much things going on. But I also noticed that my mind had, for lack of, you know, better words, slowed down, at least at that point in my life, to where it's like I started noticing some things that, you know, I wasn't as tired. I was seeing a lot more things. Um, so then I started thinking, well, you know, the only thing that's really changed are these practices. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so wh- when you first started learning meditation, what was that process like for you? Was it difficult? I know when I first got into meditation, I could never shut my mind off. Like, it took me a good six months before I could actually, like, quiet the ego, you know? Right. And I think that's, uh, you know, sometimes... Um, you know, we, we, you know, people go, well, I can't meditate because I can't slow down my mind. I said, well, you know, that's kind of the end result of the practices that you're doing. It is, you know, and, I, and for me, it was important to uh, find a teacher. And so, um, you know, was able to go to a retreat down in New Mexico for several days with, you know, with a teacher. Um, saw what their techniques were, and uh, that teacher was uh, a guy named Peter Williams out of Boulder, and he's in, uh, from you know, the uh, background of insight meditation. And then I did the Goenka Vipassana, through the Rocky Mountain Vipassana, and I know they're gearing up to do another one in November, and those practices are based upon uh, Goengaji, and what, you know, what he developed, and which is still being put on all over the world in the same manner. Um, so then I started finding different practices. Right. Until something resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, at first, you know, trying to sit was like I told you. It's like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do for the day. And that was meditation. As I, you know, and then the, the, the ding goes off. And then, you know, and then, oh, well, I'm done. You know, I've meditated. Right. Like, not so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> and so it, it just then, it became a process of learning what meditation was. Right. Um, and then understanding what it was, understanding what the purpose was, understanding what meditation wasn't. Um, and then as, you know, I 
was for they're educated through, like I said, workshops or you know, and reading. Then I started kind of honing my uh, uh, to a practice which worked for me. Right. Right. And, and then finding teachers that resonated with my belief systems, what my goal was. Because when we come into meditation, you, one of the things you have to think about is like, okay, what do I want out of this? Um, I, 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 I can't imagine many people say, I'm going to meditate just because I'm going to meditate. Right. You know, and, and I think it's a very Western frame of mind. I think we have to remember that meditation um, comes from a you know, Hindu background, comes from a Buddhist background. Um, but you know, in the West, we're always seen to what we want to get out of it. Instead of it being part of our religious practice, it becomes, you know, we come to it when, number one, we're really ready to come to it. And when we come to it, usually when we need something. Yes. You know, I don't, have, don't think I've had anybody show up at any of my classes saying, I just thought I would just start meditating. It's always like, well, I need this to do this. Right. So now this meditation has become something else from outside of us that we perceive we want to bring in. Right. Instead of coming from inside of us and bringing out. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. So, absolutely. so yeah, I went through that whole period. It's like I didn't know. And, and, and then I thought, oh, I'm, I'm really buzzing. This is a great meditation. This is a good, you know, uh, app to hear. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed the next time I was listening to the same thing and I'm jittery and I'm like, well, I'm, I don't think I like this one anymore. So I'm going to swing to this other vine. I've and, done that. And I've then, totally yeah, done that. And I'm like, oh, this voice is annoying me. Yes. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't like this person. Yep. Oh, this is so soothing. Yes. You know? And I like this person. And and then you just, you know, one day you, you realize um, after, you know, you've had some experience and after you have had some teachings that no this doesn't have anything to do with and with nobody but me absolutely and meditation is such a personal journey you know Um, Mm -hmm. and I think people get frustrated I've had clients you know tell me well I tried meditating last week and it's they just get frustrated you know they they can't turn their minds off they you know the the kids are playing or, you know, their phone's ringing or, um, so what is your advice for people who are trying to learn meditation? Go into this practice with patience and perseverance. Patience? What's that? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Patience with a C, not with a T. Right. (laughs) Yes. Let's, um, let's definitely make that very clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the patience is that, like, you know, like I like I described, and I've heard described, is, you know, the Boston Marathon's coming up. Well, you know, I think I'm going to go run it. And it's like, well, what have you done to practice for it? Well, I walk up, I have a flight of stairs at home. I have to walk up and down every day. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's about it. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's yeah. not going to work out very well. So I think we go into these ideas that I've got to be patient with myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to have to persevere, not that I'm going to push myself through things, but I'm going to stick with it. And I think there's a big difference. Yes, because absolutely. Because of what also can happen to you physically. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, so how do I start? And, you know, I say, well, I, I, I say dedicate a place in your home that is nothing 
but for meditation. There you go. So, yeah. you know, get yourself a cushion or something that you, and, and, you know, some people, I, I, like I do, I do it different ways. There's times I lay down and I'll, I'll listen to a practice or I'll focus on breath by laying down. Sometimes I'm sitting up. Sometimes I sit in a chair. Sometimes mm-hmm. I walk. I mean, you know, there's a different ways to do practices. So I, I do all the, pra- you know, the, the different methods that have been discussed. Um, so, so, you know, you find yourself a place and say, I'm going to dedicate this spot to practicing getting quiet, practicing meditation. And the effects of it are that your mind starts getting trained. I mean, what, what we're talking about here is mind training. Yes. That's, that's what we're talking about is, you know, taming, you know, like the, the, the Buddhists say, taming the elephant that, you know, the monkey that have gone wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you come to that place on a daily basis or however you start your practice, the mind says to itself and your body says to yourself, oh, I'm coming here to get quiet. So you start training. Yeah. And so you start having almost a Pavlovian response to like, oh, God, I'm going to go sit. Or, um, and so, so, you know, so the first thing to do is we designate a, t- a place. Designate yourself a time to do it. Yes. You know, ideally, which is maybe not on some people's radar, but extremely early in the morning. Okay. So like, you know, here we go. I'm not saying people have to do this, but, you know, some of the teachings say 4 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there we go. Thanks for that. I don't know about that. Thank you for that very practical response. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so... um, and, you know, and they talk about that that's a good time in the morning. Yeah. Um, because of, you know, cosmically what's going on. Right. Um, and it's quiet. It's very quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the dogs in the neighborhood have passed out after yep. they're barking and they haven't gotten up yet. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, so, so then the earlier in the morning, the better. And the reason why is because you're not full of chatter. Absolutely. That's right. So, so if your tendency is to want to go meditate in the morning, the first thing you don't look at is who called, what's on the news, what emails do I have? Because now you're getting back into your other mindset that's not as conducive. You're cluttering again. Yes, right. that makes so, sense. So yeah, so so go uncluttered down wherever you are and then, and then it, it becomes a matter of time. You know, I've heard, you know, uh, people say, well, start with a minute. If that's all, you know, and then uh, how do we start? And a lot of, you know, a lot of teachers say, well, we start with our breath. And so, you know, when we hear here as Westerners observe the breath, we start going into this duality. All right, here I am and I am watching my breath. Okay. And it's like, no, we don't do that. What is beneficial is becoming, you know, staying connected with your breath, not separating yourself. So you're not taking a step back and just watching yourself breathe. And what um, I encourage, at least because it's been encouraged for me, is starting off with one of the biggest areas that is affected by our breath, which is our tummy. Yes. So just sitting down and just watching on how when you inhale, your tummy's rising and feeling the the somatic experience of the tummy rising and then the tummy falling. Right. And that's it. Just go 
to the tummy rising, the tummy falling. And then, you know, if uh, you may start using little um, kind of tidbits like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start counting. So, and we always count at the top of the inhale. But you're not like going, okay, one, you know, you're like yeah. drawing your breath and then <laughs> yeah. I'm saying one the whole time. It's like yeah. just very, very quickly, just one at the top. And then just notice how many times you can do that. Yeah. But don't, but don't get caught up in the counting. Right. And anticipating the counting. So, I mean, there's a lot of balancing to do. And that's why I've always encouraged folks that if they can, you know, find themselves either a teacher or um, you know, and the best thing, of course, to do is a live retreat with somebody. Yeah. Because then you have the opportunity to ask questions, you get feedback, things like that. Some people just don't have time or maybe the resources to do that. So then there's teachers that you can find online. Or there's podcasts that you can find online. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for people who are dealing with a lot of emotional type of issues, somebody like Tara Brock is really good. Okay. You know, um, some people who want to go more into a religious um, type based meditation somebody like Alan Wallace um, um, it's very good uh, um, uh, I enjoy Pema Chodron listening to her but I think it's also important to listen to some of the teachings that revolve around it Yeah. because uh, um, you know I, I don't see meditating in a vacuum Right. Because med- meditating in a vacuum is, I think it's just kind of just doing like push-ups. Yeah. And then, okay, I've done my push-up, and I'm going to go on with my life. Right. And so one of the things that's important is, for me, is that meditation, or any, or any kind of mindfulness practice, um, has some kind of ethical base. Right. You know, either that, the, you know, in Hinduism, the, the yamas and yamas, um, or we look at... Um, Things that are the precepts. Uh, so there's a lot, you know. So I don't think you can divorce meditation, mindfulness from ethics. Yeah, because, absolutely. You know, because if I'm leading an unethical life on any level, it's going to interfere with my mind getting cloudy. So when we look at different types of meditation, we're looking, you know, uh, at least the practices I do, we have what's called shamatha meditation which is calm abiding okay and what the point of shamatha is and you know i've heard you know it's the whole snow globe example where you shake up the snow globe and that's like your mind yes and then allowing the them to settle the other thing i i the other um uh metaphor is is when you're in, uh, up in the mountains and you're and there's a lake where the mountains are reflecting off the lake and the wind comes up and you have disturbances well, the disturbances give you a wrong perception of what that reflection is like, right? Right. And, 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 but then once the disturbances settle down and everything balances, balances out again, whatever um, has been churned up from the bottom of the lake has now settled where you can see clearly through different layers of the lake. Yeah. And that's what the point of shamatha, calm abiding meditation is. And, you know, one of the practices is focusing on the breath, is to settle the mind. Settle your body, your speech, and your mind in its natural state. Right. Which is 
an openness. You know, one of the teachers um, that I've heard her taught said you should imagine your sky, your, your mind as the blue sky. And thoughts, emotions, images, fantasies, whatever is arising out of our consciousness or out of our mind, those are the clouds. They are not the mind itself, but they're arising against this backdrop. And what you want to do is once you, once you are able to settle your mind in a spaciousness, it actually gives you the ability to see things a lot more clearly. Right. Because if you think about it, and this is one of the things that I deal with with um, some of the meditation series I do with the Fountain of Health, is, is when we are looking at whatever we're looking at, if our mind is not spacious, we are looking through our biases, prejudices, attachments, desires, aversions. That's how we look at the world. And that's you know, and this is not something that's just novel to, to one or two people. I mean, this is how most of us look at the world. We are looking through this very muddy lens. Absolutely. And as we as we engage in practices that are allow our mind to settle more, we can see things for really what they are, without all those filters being there. Does that uh, yes? You know. And that's one of the things that meditation does for you. I mean, there's people who want to meditate because I want, you know, less anxiety in my life. I want, you know, less stress. And there are somatic results of meditating. And, and those are some that, that can come. Yeah. And this, which is great. So you have to, you know, we're back to like, why, why do you want to do this? Right. You know? Yes. And, and, and then if it's something, it, but it's not like um, a band-aid. You know, it's what you want to gain out of it. I mean, I remember a time when, you know, things would bother me. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know about you, but then you, you go to bed, and you're laying down, and, you're, and your mind is cycling. Yes. And you're cycling, and you're cycling, and you're cycling, and you're cycling. And then at some point, you grab your phone, and you look at the time now, because we're all using to use our phones instead of a long clock. <laughs> yeah. But if you have a clock, you look over, and you go, oh, my God, it's 3.30 in the morning. I've got to get up in a couple hours. And now, now I'm going to get angry at myself because I've been cycling. Yes, and you're frustrated. And you're, yeah, <laughs> and now it's like now you you heaped one thing on top of the other. Yeah. And then you get up in the morning, and now you're irritable the rest of the day. And yes. Who knows how that's going to play out? Yes. You know. Um, so, so when we look at these kind of practices, um, we're talking about to really get benefit. Something that, that you should commit to for the rest of your life. Yes. It's like anything, you know, that if you want to better yourself as a human being and do practices, you know, they're not just temporary things. These are, these are commitments. And why are you making this commitment? So that you can be a better person. Yeah. And be healthy, and, you and know. be healthy, be happier, because that's why we engage pretty much in any practices. We're suffering to some degree. Yeah. And so, you know, what tools can I get? What practices can I get to reduce, you know, to make myself happier? Absolutely. And, and, and more of a genuine happiness and not just a temporary happiness. Because 
you know, we're back to perseverance because if I start off with meditating, and the idea, you know, the ideal time from some of the teachers is like a 24 minute, 24 minute cycle. Okay. You know, um, sometimes people say when you, when you start off, start off slow, mm-hmm. but then you'll notice that, that if you, if you do it too short, you're not getting any real benefits out of it. Right. You yeah. Know, um, yeah, I hate those five-minute meditations. <laughs> right, yeah. like you know, What does that even do? <laughs> you know, and, then, and then we can practice mindfulness. Like, you know, for instance, the other, yesterday I was tearing down wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was able to get into a space of just tearing down wallpaper. And Thich Nhat Hanh says, when you're washing dishes, wash dishes. But how many times are we washing dishes and we're thinking about, we're having conversations with people, we're thinking about anything but the dish we're washing. So what mindfulness is, is just remembering and just being present in, you know, in that moment, because, you know, we have all these moments, present moments, like, pile up on top of each other. <laughs> and, and just be, you know, I noticed, like, with the wallpaper, I, I zoned out and was just taking down wallpaper without thinking. And then I looked at, I went around the corner, I looked at the clock, it's like, wow, I've been here two hours. And it's like, well, that time went by pretty fast. But it was because I was, at that moment, able to take down wallpaper. And I may go down and take out some more wallpaper today, and I may think about, well, what am I going to do tonight? You know, yeah. <laughs> do I go here? What band's playing there? You know, well, I'm no longer just taking down wallpaper. Right. I'm physically doing something, but mentally I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I've disconnected. Yeah, that and, makes sense. And so that's what meditation is, is... Through shamatha, the calm abiding meditation, we learn to focus. Right. And it becomes, and, and as the more your mind laser focuses, it doesn't become rigid. There's an expansion that, that happens. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just part of the practice. So I, I, I'm allowed, I'm now what I'm doing is I'm allowing the, the little, I don't even think it's, well, um, whatever they use for the artificial snow nowadays <laughs> to float, you know, whatever's heavier than water to float down. And, uh, and I'm allowing the silt to subside. But the artificial snow is still at the bottom of the globe. Right. The silt is still at the bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. So that where, is where the second type of meditation comes in, which in the practices I do is called Vipassana, which is analytical so if I'm able to you know do the practices enough to slow down my mind to calm my mind then I can actually start looking at those emotions looking at my anger and analyzing my anger right where does it come from when does it arise how does it manifest in my mind and in my body um, how, where did I learn to do this? You know, um, what do I get out of it? Right. You know, and, and regardless of what emotion we're talking about, we're going to be talking about jealousy, we're going to talk about anger, we're going to talk about fear. But as our mind calms, becomes more spacious, then we're in a better position to start looking at why we do things. And if we're able to start looking at why we do things, we're in a better position to start mitigating um, 
the results of those emotions that that we have and that's something you know that's part of what we do is and we want to get to that place we can start analyzing things in an honest way that's always, definitely that's always things yeah. or do we have a tendency <laughs> to make up stuff you yes know? and you know and aren't we always the heroes of our stories and our arguments like you know you know how right we are and how self-righteous we get yep um but then we're kind of really not doing ourselves or anyone around us you know very many favors so yeah absolutely and you know with the emotions of like anger jealousy um sadness grief you know some of those um they can stem from trauma you know so let, let's talk about trauma and mindfulness right there's there this is a really big movement nowadays in both yoga practices and in mindfulness practices is being aware that people are coming to um, these types of, of seminars these types of classes and you really don't know what they've gone through right you know and trauma I mean you know we can all imagine you know we've you know, I think, you know, most of us have suffered traumatic events. Maybe we've witnessed traumatic events. And, and you know, you, you think about what you're bombarded with in social media now. Yeah, Some absolutely. of the things you click and then you're watching these videos. You know, that's a form of trauma. Yes. You know, and so, so and even, my God, we, we can't get away from newspapers or radio. So, so, but many of us are coming with, Traumatic events that happened um, in our childhood, some of it which we've suppressed and repressed. Um, they may have happened a week before. Right. Yeah. But we come to these practices seeking, through these practices, some kind of solace and some type of relief. But then the practices and how the practices are conducted can actually exacerbate the trauma. So if you're a person who has suffered traumatic events, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the, the, the folks that have been in war. I mean, I remember my dad coming back from Vietnam, and he was oh, a yeah. mess, and, you know, not a lot of services being offered to folks, and he wasn't even in the field on the combat. He was at a, on a base with, with rocket fire every night. So he came back with a certain mindset, you know, that affected him for the rest of his life, a fear that affected him for the rest of his life. So, you know, or, or we've just been involved in an accident where we had a, an injury, but, you know, I remember the car accident that I went through. Um, then we start, now, now we're going to sit down and we're going to close our eyes and we're going to meditate. Well, then we start feeling uncomfortable. We start breaking out of sweats. We start all of a sudden reliving what happened the minute I closed my eyes. Right. Or I close my eyes and then I hear a siren that reminds me of when ambulances were coming to my home, when something happened in my home. Right. And so we have so many triggers um, that, that um, we have inside of us and that we can have from the outside. And we then try to sit down and be quiet because I'm going to deal with this, you know. But, but just the sitting down and getting quiet without some kind of professional help 
from somebody who has some type of trauma-based practice, you know, may make things worse. So if I'm trying to sit down and meditate, and when I close my eyes, all I can do is picture this, and I can say, well, I can't meditate. I think that you, a person can meditate, but deal, but deal with those situations. Recognize what you have going on. Find a practitioner who knows what they're doing to help you um, through whatever psychological um, or maybe physiological um, means that, that you know, they may have at their access. And then you can combine a practice with that. So it almost becomes like, you know, you, you start triaging this. Well, not triaging. You, you, know, you work together. Right, yeah. To, with these situations. So if you have suffered trauma, if you are finding things difficult, if things are coming up, some meditation teachers will tell you, oh, this is good. Sit with it. Let it arise and, and notice it. Right. Well, maybe that's not exactly the best instruction for you. Because we are not talking about emotions that are just rising and falling that each one of us has just by being human. We're talking about trauma-based emotions. And so, so I think that there's more awareness now in yoga practices of giving more people, because I mean, one of the things I do is, if it doesn't feel right when you're got your eyes closed, if you feel like getting up and moving, well, get up and move. Because when we start keeping people who've suffered through traumatic events in confined spaces, we are just heaping on trauma upon trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that when we look at the issue of trauma, if you're trying to meditate and you've had some things happen and things come up, well, don't, you know, don't think, you know, and, and like I said, the typical... The typical instruction is, sit with it. Yes. Well, maybe I don't want to sit with this (laughs) because I haven't dealt with this. Right. And just the sitting with it may not deal with the situation. Yeah. So I think we have to be very, you know, so if I'm going to be practicing on my own and I have these things come up, I shouldn't just, you know, kind of, you know, say, well, meditation is just not for me. No, I think there's benefits but then deal with this other situation you have also. And for folks that are doing the classes, it's extremely important to be sensitive to watching people, watch people when they get, you know, I mean, I've seen folks that they just start sweating. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, you know, giving them that option. Yeah. To say, hey, back out of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, because another thing is, Westerners have a tendency to, push through meditation. I'm going to sit on this cushion. I've put this timer on for 15 minutes and I'm not going to budge until that 15 minutes is up. And then I say, I'm going to meditate. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to tense my body and I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to push myself through. I've done that. Yep. But then what do you notice when you do that? It's well, it's, um, for one, it's frustrating. I know that. And it's not comfortable. Where do you usually feel that? Probably my solar plexus, uh, chest area, you yeah. know, you, you get a little, I even get a little anxiety from it, you know. And, and see, I, got, I developed what's called, what the Tibetans call lung. 
which is an imbalance of the winds, because the, the belief system, you know, that I've studied under, you know, the mind basically sits on the the subtle winds that we have in our bodies. Right. And when we start pushing ourselves, exactly what you were describing, we feel that pressure on our chest. And it actually can have some very, very bad effects. Right. Um, physical effects. And, and that's what happened with me, was, was you, know, um, you know, forcing some th- things that then now manifests itself with pressure in the, in the throat area, at least for me, in the neck. And it's just like, no, you know, I kind of did that to myself, but it's a very Western thing to do to, I'm going to push myself, I'm going to sit on this cushion and force myself to do this because that's, you know, so, and and we're defeating the purpose. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, what are the benefits that you've seen from meditation practices? You know, I can, I can, um, talk in two contexts, of course, I mean, don't, the only one I really know is me. Absolutely. Because any, anybody else, I mean, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, with, yeah. with you. And, you know, um, uh, for me, it's been more of a balance in my life. Even practicing something with consistency, there's a, 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 a um, you know, we, we learn like, you know, we're trainable. We're, I can train myself to do certain things. Absolutely. So there, um, so what flows out of, Deciding to do this the way I've decided to do it is I've got consistency, I've got discipline, um, which is really good. Um, I think for anybody to start developing self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably I've, have patience. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if my daughters would agree with that. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I feel much more patient. Things don't really bother me as much. I mean, I have less to bother me. Yeah, of course, I'm retired. I don't have a job to work out. I'm lucky enough to have a, to be comfortable. Um, but I notice that a lot more things just don't get to me. Yeah, and your reaction get. to things too, I'm right. sure. And that's the thing, and that's what we're talking about with meditation, especially with our emotions. The emotions going to rise. Yes. Those emotions we grasp, we reify. It's called reification. We give them legs. We have thousands of thoughts. Could you imagine grabbing every thought that came up in your mind and running with it? Oh yeah. Well, then you know, then we'd be like uh, in the state hospital, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, you don't you know, want to be there. Oh, you don't want to be there, you know. Um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure for, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know, I'm sure you don't want to be there. So, so, um, but then when I do, when we do grab emotions, what meditation helps us with is putting space between the emotion and the reaction. And as we do these practices, I think we can react with more wisdom. Yeah, definitely. And that's what meditation does. Emotions arise. We learn that they arise and they come. They come and they go. We say, well, I'm not anger. Because we've always just defined ourselves by, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm angry. I'm an angry person. No, your person at this moment has allowed anger to dictate your state of mind. But you don't label your, but we label ourselves. Yeah, definitely. You know? And so we, as we label ourselves with emotion, you know, that's completely, it, it, it really starts us down this road of, of thinking we are our thoughts, thinking that we are our emotions, and we're not. 
Yes. Because the mind, once again, we're that spacious mind. I've heard the mind, and also we need, you know, our, our mind gets focused. So another benefit is more focus. You know, the, um, this one, um, uh, Tenzin Palma talks about the mind, you know, you have the little birds with little wings that are fluttering, 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 but the mind should be more like an eagle that's soaring. So as we watch eagles soar or hawks, I love hawks, and watching yeah. hawks just soar, you know they're just not soaring because they are laser focused. True. Very so true. you have that expansive, the expansiveness of the wings that are soaring on the thermals, but the mind is focused. So that's what that's where we want to get our minds. Now I'm not saying in the least bit my mind is focused. <laughs> I mean, but it's a process. I know I'm doing better than I was several years ago. Right. Because I'm not cycling as, as much. I'm not staying up all night long. You know, I can attribute to my staying up to caffeine. There you go. Drunk too late. <laughs> then just my mind's just going like, oh, my mind's just going all over the place. Um, so I'm doing better. Yeah. So those are, you know, physically, I feel more relaxed. Yes. And I just, and I think we notice a lot more things. Um Especially, I mean, you know, the way Pueblo drivers are with red lights. Oh, my gosh. I think, yeah. I think anybody can benefit out of, you know, being a little bit more aware mm. that just because your light went green doesn't mean that the people going across are stopping. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah, so it's kind of just even something as simple as that. And, mm-hmm. and if we want to practice, um, I think we talked about this the other night, is, I mean, I know there's plenty of lights in Pueblo. They're about 30 seconds long because now we have the little timers. You can watch them. Yes. So if you want to just be present for 30 seconds, you can oh, just there sit there go. and watch that timer just count down. Yeah. Instead of fiddling with your phone, mm-hmm. fiddling with the radio, you know, tapping in your hands, to, you know, thinking about when is this light going to change? When I know it's going to change in about 15 seconds. So why, how is my thinking when this light's going to change make that light change any faster? So even just doing a practice like that, just stopping at a, at a light, Noticing, oh, this one's one of those that has the timers. Yeah. And then just see if I can just be with my breath. You know, just I'm just sitting there in the car, feeling my tummy rise and fall. And I start doing that. I, 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 it's one of the things I do do. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I'm just like, wow, this is, you know. And, but I'm using that as my timer now. Now, yes, yeah, my focus outside, in a sense, yes. But I'm able to stay a little bit calmer. Yeah. And I've used that 15 seconds, and I'm going to be there anyways, to do a little bit of a practice. So when we say how often we practice, we can practice as much as we want. Yeah. Yeah, so even those little... Yeah, even those little 30-second... 30-second <laughs> intervals yeah. at an intersection. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And you'll notice, I, for me, I notice I'm a little bit calmer. I also notice I just don't hit, you know, I just take a second and look. Yeah. You know? And, and then, notice, you know, I mean, I've had plenty of times. I mean, we've all seen it. Oh, yeah. You know? And then, and then the other thing is that I don't get angry at the person who just ran the red light because that kind of defeated the last 30 seconds that I yeah. was getting called. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was pointless. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've been practicing meditation for probably the last, probably a little over a year. Um, and I, I had to start with guided meditations. Um, I mean, I, this might sound cheesy, but I, like, I'll do YouTube, you know, they have a lot of guided meditations and, 
um, I've noticed benefits, you know, some of the same ones you were just describing and it's helped a lot, you know, it really does help you, you know, keep a calmer mindset and just so you're not so worked up about everything, except I'm terrible. I do mine at night and then sometimes I fall asleep. So maybe I should start doing it at four in the morning. Yeah, but, but, are, you falling, <laughs> but are you falling asleep in a much better yeah, mindset? Absolutely. So, absolutely. And, and, I, and I don't think um, what your comment was about using those resources, I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think it's absolutely perfect. Right. Because yeah. it works for you. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I think that's great. <laughs> I, I encourage people would. And, and that way you start learning different things. Yeah. And we're back to that thing we talked about earlier was what works for me. I mean, we're all unique individuals. True. With whatever we're bringing, whatever mind we're bringing to the, to the meditation plate, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> at that moment. And so I think, you know, I, do, I use those. I use mm-hmm. the YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had those situations too where I do this like Rod Stryker, this Yoga Nidra thing, and then... And then I don't, and then all of a sudden I'm waking up and there's whatever the next loop was, and all of a sudden I got bells ringing in my ears. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd this bell come You're like, from? wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, it, you know, it, it helped me, and and, mm-hmm. and and we we have to not only talk about the the um, effects that we can just see, but also there's subtle effects to these practices. Yeah. And and, and the subtle effects are just as important as the ones that we can pinpoint. And, and the subtle ones, you know, um, it, it's the way, maybe it's just the way we feel. You Definitely. Know, just a little bit better, you know, and, I, and the way we handle things. That may come from a much subtler level, which is what these practices are when we're dealing with the mind. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So... How, when you practice your meditation, what is your favorite? Do you do guided meditations? Do you sit in silence? Or, you know, what, what's your favorite one? Um, oh, it's like a favorite. I, um, I guess I do, uh, uh, Alan Wallace is somebody I've gone yeah. to some, several seminars. So, um, he's a, you know, and the reason he does is 24 minutes is because there's supposedly it's one cycle of the subtle breath. Oh, okay. The other thing is that there's a thing, I think it's called Gatika, G-H-A-T-I-K-A, but it was a, an English, uh, Indian measurement device that would fill with water, and then it usually took 24 minutes, the equivalent of what is 24 minutes to settle and hit, and then 24 minutes is, I think, you know, uh, I think there's 60 24-minute cycles, like in a day, or something like that. I mean, okay. Just, yeah, there's all these effects with, with that time period. Um, there are, the ones I do are part of a sadhana, of a practice that I do based upon my belief system. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I have specific um, meditations that I've learned from my teacher. His name is Jimmy Neal, and he's, he, uh, he's with the Foundation for the Preservation of the Mahayana Tradition, so, but he's based out of India. Okay. He's an American. He's been in India um, uh, uh, for many, many years teaching. So you know, I practice a certain sadhana, a certain practice. And within that practice are contained a couple of meditations. So it's interesting when we use the term meditation, because you know, when we're talking about it, it's focusing the mind. So like some people meditate with mantras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what do mantras do? Mantras take us away from the jibber-jabber 
and now we're focusing on the mantra. Yes. Uh, sometimes we do visualizations. Mm-hmm. You know, we visualize things. Um, so I, I can tell you, I just do a combination. I get to sit there and say, um, there's a part that I do with my practice, and, and you know, I, I've become very comfortable with it, with the visualizations that I do. Yeah. And, um, but then I may decide tonight that, oh, I just have, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of magazines, there's a lot of websites, so I may come across something from, like, Mindful Magazine. Like, yeah. Oh, this looks interesting. But we're back to the, you know, you've got, oh, here's a three-minute meditation. It's like, uh, you know, I, I mean, but I want to check it out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. So, but, but the, and I think that's what, what you're saying is important, too, is when you find something that really works for you, that resonates with your heart, stick with it. Because we will, you know, you will, anybody will find a meditation supermarket out there. Yeah, no okay? kidding. And you, you know, you got so many aisles and so many, you know, uh, and, you know, and the uh, breathing practices, you've got about 20 rows stacked as high as Sam's of, of <laughs> different breathing practices. You know, don't, you know, it's nice to shop. Yeah. But don't spend all your time shopping because now you're all you're doing is stuck in the supermarket. Yeah. Is once you find something, maybe it's time to check out for lack you know, by using this shopping metaphor. Right. And then if this practice is working for me, why do I need to still investigate more if I find, yeah, this is it. And yeah. and it's very I think it is very important for anybody that to narrow down what you want to do, focus on either teacher or a style, and if if it resonates in your heart, stick with it. Because at some point you're gonna have to stop. You're gonna have to leave the market, or you're gonna. Or all you're doing now is just taste testing. Yeah. And it, and I don't think taste testing. You know, I, I'm sure there's some benefit because you're at least doing it. Right. Right. But then you haven't really come to, at least in my mind, I mean, I could be, I mean, I, what do I know? But at least for me, it worked to find something that, that I could just stick with. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever, when you're meditating, have you ever had like an out-of-body experience or like astral projected, I guess they call it astral traveled? Have you ever experienced that? You know, it's interesting that you say, you say that because are we really doing that? Or are we thinking that we're doing that? Right, that's a very good point. You know, because I could be in this, I mean, I remember being in this place like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like grooving. I'm, I'm totally where I want to be. And then you hear the little ding. It's like, no, 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 I'm not leaving. I don't care. It's breakfast time. And everybody's getting up. Uh-uh, I'm not moving. I'm, well, I'm in a good place. But am I really meditating at that point? Or am I hanging on? I'm attaching to what that feeling is that I'm getting. Right. And there, I mean, I've had experiences where um, I think one of the, the, one of the feelings I've had is a falling feeling. Yes, I've had um, that. And I think that there's, you know, some teachers will say, well, that falling feeling is because this is happening. Um, and then as far as, and then there's times when, you know, sometimes we don't know where we go. Yeah, and, that's and, true. And then I think that part, and, and you know, 
but but in, but in, am I really meditating, or is it just kind of this sleepiness or this dullness that has come in, where I'm kind of just in this ozone layer of fog? Right. You know, and so I think sometimes I I I, I have have had some experiences, you know, um, but then at times I don't know whether or not those experiences were. Things I thought I, that they weren't real, they weren't really what the end result of that practice should have been, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's because, well, was this, did I project somewhere or did, did I fall asleep? Yeah. Or am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, it's, it's all those things. And I, and I think that when you don't have that, is when you've come, you know, the one meditation that I've done um, that was part of the practice we were doing at a retreat. Um, was um, being able to have a realization that I was dreaming, that I was sleeping. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, that was the practice we were doing. And that, and that was, you know, we were told that if you f- realize that you are dreaming, um, stay calm because you're going to snap yourself out of your dream. Yes. And so, yeah, that one definitely, I was like, oh my God. I'm dreaming. Yeah. No, this is like, oh. You get excited. Like, yeah, I get excited. You know, it's like, what do I want to do now that I'm dreaming? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really, how am I going to fly? Well, ideally, I wasn't really in, no, I wasn't really lucid dreaming. Maybe not totally lucid dreaming, but that's fine. Because if you're lucid dreaming and you realize you're in a dream, you can do anything you want to do. You can walk through walls. Right. I mean, there's a point to lucid dreaming as part of a practice. But I had this thing where I started, you know, I was like, well, I want to fly. It's like, well, how am I going to fly? Oh, you know, I'm going to need Tom Petty's Learning to Fly music playing. So I had that playing, and I was like, I'm flying. And then, then I'm like, I realize I'm dreaming at that point. Yeah. And the minute I said, wow, I'm, it's like. You're awake. Sh-. And then, then you get mad. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, so, I was there. <laughs> so I think in the practices I've, do, I've done is maybe lucid dreaming is probably one. That, yeah. But, but we're talking about some of these practices that there's so many different levels and, and years of training and years of experience and years of being supervised by a teacher. Because sometimes when we get into this, some of these practices where we're moving beyond just the somatic experiences I want of calmness, you know, you know, there are certain practices that you have to have a teacher. Yeah. And if you don't have a teacher, there is a possibility you could do yourself a lot of damage by you know concentrating on certain parts of your body um that in order to do those things you need to have a teacher so some of us pick up books Mm -hmm. and we think wow this looks cool Mm -hmm. but then we have to realize that some of these practices if they're done um you know they're done with a lot of guidance and a lot of training yeah so you know if we're talking about just you know feeling you know feeling better you know watching our breath things like that you know we can use those apps and things but but i but i'm also talking about someone who wants to go much much further i mean i've seen incredible results from people you know um that i've met that increases their perceptions um one of the results is you know even increasing a person's psychic abilities yeah you know, those are the end. But but 
You're talking about people who've meditated. It's all they've done for years and years and years. And I think we're back to patience and perseverance. Absolutely. You know, because if you know, it's going to benefit you. Yes. And it's. I think it. At least for me, and it seems for you know, you've got such a great energy. Oh, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> but it, it, it just seems that for for some people, the the practical um, benefits. Yeah. Of just slowing down. You know, and and, and I mean, hopefully, the bottom line is this. That you're just a happier person, mm-hmm. and by being a happier person, it makes you more accessible to 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 be more of um, a helper to everybody around you. Yes. Which is, you know, at least in my mind, is one of the things that, you know, if I can be a better human being, and out of me being a better human being, I can be a benefit. And more, you know, available to people around me. That's why you would want to do the practice. Yes, definitely. Because you know, we can be a, we can be mindful. Yeah. And like you know, this one teacher says, yeah, I can be a um, assassin and be a mindful because mm-hmm. I have to be totally focused on the present moment and what I'm doing. But you know, there is no ethics involved in this. <laughs> yeah. you know? it, it's just I'm using this mindfulness as a tool yeah. in, in a very negative way. Definitely. You know, um, which, you know, is that really, you know, it is mindfulness under the definitions of mindfulness. I'm in the present moment. I'm feeling my moment-to-moment sensations, you know. Um, and I think that's the difference is often when we deal with meditations and mindfulness, you know, a lot of the meditations that are being um, put out like on YouTube and through these apps, they're also secular. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to just pick and choose what what you want out of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes. So I know you were telling us about the benefits that you've seen personally mm-hmm. with yourself. And I you, you teach classes as well, right? So have you had any success stories so to speak with your students do any of them stick out well I, I guess we have to define success true yeah because I'm back you know like one of the classes that I one of the facilities I was at you know they asked you why you do you give a certificate yeah for you know this class we're doing it's like no you no, you get your certificate at the end of your life <laughs> yeah. you know when you die and you know because it's like you know you do these practices your entire life yeah so if you want a certificate then you know i guess you know i can write one up you're younger than i am so i'm sure you can outlive me um but um what i've seen is i have seen the effects i mean there's one one um person and i don't, I don't know if i were like the student teacher things i'm you know oh, okay you know, so but there's you know one person that i've seen over i'm seeing three years now Okay. On a, on a constant basis. And I've seen the effects on this one young man's life. And I've seen, you know, you know he expressed at one time that it was frustrating for him. Yeah. Because well, the frustration was that it slowed down time. And when he, where he was at, um, he didn't want time to slow down because mm-hmm. the quicker the time went, the quicker he got out or felt in his mind he was going to get out. Yeah. So people sometimes in facilities stay very busy mm-hmm. because you don't have to think about where you're at and it makes the day go quicker. Right. So I remember his complaint a couple of years ago was, 
Um, I don't know if I like this because time slows down. Yeah. But then I also noticed that the conversations became dip- deeper. Then one of our last conversations, he discussed how he was able to see a lot more things that were happening because his mind wasn't as... I'm not, I, I don't know how focused he is, and I don't know whether or not what he was saying is true or not, of course. You never know. Yeah, right. Um, but what he was saying is, you know, I can see a lot more things happening because I'm not all caught up in my own stories, which is one of the things we want from meditation because we want to slow down our stories by removing, like I said earlier, removing those filters and seeing things for what they are. Yeah. Um, so what he said, so if you ask me about somebody that I saw, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, people come up to you after these classes and say, oh, you know, that's just what I needed. Right. And it's like, but I'm hoping that we're not just back to the Band-Aid. That at that moment, you know, people will say, and I don't, maybe they've said this to you, it's like, wow, I, I understand why this was no mistake for me coming here. I got exactly what I needed. Okay, that's good. We've been here an hour. Now, where are you going to take this practice to your home? Are you, or did we just get this aha feeling right this hour that right. you got a temporary fix out of something but the the suit is still there yeah the, the, you know uh, the suit the um uh the artificial little snow it's still there in yeah. big clumps mm-hmm. we just managed to put it down for an hour right maybe even suppress it and so I always am hoping that when people say that, that they have gotten a benefit out of any practice. You know, my friend Jimmy, my teacher, talks about, you know, being very heartbroken and, and, and having a panic attack in the middle of a, um, uh, it was not a shopping, it was, he was in India in the middle of a bazaar and he had panic attack over these, this feeling of loss. You know, over uh, over uh, a, um, a relationship, and just hyperventilating, and he resorted to what's called the Tonglen practice, which is a giving and receiving practice, and it's you know one of probably one of the greatest contributions I think of Tibetan Buddhism to the practice of meditation, where where you take in the pain of another, be it emotional pain, be it physical pain. You bring it into your self-cherishing heart to just, you know, as black smoke out of somebody, or gray smoke, you know, some people don't like black, but you have yeah. an image of black smoke, <laughs> so like gray smoke, yeah. or, um, colored smoke, whatever, you know, some smoke. Right. Um, but you bring it into your, and it destroys your own self-cherishing, your selfishness, your this vision of I, and then you send out white light or white smoke to that person. So what Jimmy talks about, he talks about this at every, every um, um, training that he does or every practice that he does, is that in the middle of this, he took in all the pain of every love song, every romance movie, you know, because all the love songs are all based upon that, you know, I lost my baby, you know, all the blues songs. Right. You take all that that everybody suffers from. Mm-hmm. Everybody's subject. You know, we're, we all go through it. Mm-hmm. But you take all that pain into your heart and then breathe it out as white light to the whole world. 
And that's an example of how having a practice. I mean, think of yourself if you're able to meditate, if you're able to slow down. And this happened to me. Get a root canal. You know, you're sitting there, and after a while, it's like, okay, you know, can we, you know, I don't like having my mind. And then I started noticing I got nervous. Yeah. And it's like, okay, go to your practices. I mean, I thought that. So it's like, okay, let me start breathing deep. And let me start regulating my body instead of getting, now, I mean, I could have gone two ways. I could have kicked and said, okay, I'm, I need a break. But um, probably not too cool in the middle yeah. of a root canal. <laughs> yeah. um, and my, my other option was, okay, go to your practices. Yeah. And so just starting to breathe deep and starting to focus instead of focusing, you know, our, our mind goes where we focus it on. Very true. I mean, you know, you could be sitting there at your home and there could be an ambulance coming by. You will hear the sound, but you want to really hear it? Then put your mind to it. Yeah. Now you'll hear it twice as loud as it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I think it goes same thing. You got a dog barking in the neighborhood? You know, you want to really hear that dog? Then focus on that dog. Yeah, absolutely. And all of a sudden that dog, it will be, instead of a schnauzer, it'll be like a... <laughs> You know, Great Dane barking, you know? <laughs> um, but that's what happened. But that's how strong our mind is. Yeah, so, definitely. So that's what these practices have done for me. And the one example, and the example with Jimmy. So. Yeah, definitely. So before we wrap this up, tell us about your meditation workshop at, is it the Fountain of Health? Yeah, it's the Fountain okay. of Health Yoga Studio up on Union. Okay. Um, over by the library. It's a purple building with a... Big oh, Ganesh yeah. on the outside. I think I've driven by it, yeah. I think most people go up Union up to Abriendo. Yes, that's pretty much exactly what yeah. <laughs> So um, the one I'm doing right now is specifically having to do with, what we're calling it making friends with your emotions. Okay. Um, but it, we're back to that whole idea of, we do a practice, a shamatha practice, the breathing. Yeah. To kind of, you know, calm us down from whatever day we've had as much as we can calm down with this practice at this point in our life. And then I do guided meditations. Um, last time we worked was on anger. But I think part of, you know, so there's a little bit of a discussion about anger. And then I try to also give um, uh, handouts. Yeah. From material that I've accumulated over the years. Um, for instance, on the anger handout, I have a sheet that I got from one of the, one of the, um, meditation courses I went to having to do with anger and analyzing anger, um, how we've come to anger on our own personal life. And then the other thing I gave was um, uh, things that we can do um, maybe in relationships, like this whole idea of timeouts. You know, just just other remedies that we can have when we get angry. Yeah. And so I kind of like to give that information out because... I think people, you know, if they look at it, they benefit, along with an encouragement of, okay, um, let's do this practices every day. Yes. And so the next one we'll be talking about is fear and anxiety. So it's based upon, once again, on disturbing emotions, um, you know, anger, fear and anxiety, attachment, uh, jealousy, and pride. Okay. And then starting in January, uh-huh. I think uh, I'm going to do five more. Um, and I think it would be more compassion-based and self-compassion-based okay. uh, meditations. Um, 
And so I don't, I like to do little series like this because I don't want to look like I have a job. <laughs> so, so they're kind enough. Marcy and uh, Valentine and, and Glenn Valentine, who, well, Marcy's the owner of the studio, but um, I work with them. And, and so I don't, I, 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 I think, you know, for me, it, it's the opportunity to go and be able to learn things. Yeah. I, I like to bring things back. Definitely. You know, I think any one of us who learned something that may benefit our community, you know, we have, I think, if not a moral, but an ethical obligation to bring it back to our community, share it, you know, as best as we can share it, as we understand it. Yes. And then go out and look for some more nuggets and bring them back. So. That's right. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. <laughs> so how long are your workshops usually? Are they like weeks at a time I'll or do them five weeks series. five week but, series but you don't have to make one to um attend one I mean it's okay you know I mean our emotions are all separate like this so true you know so we can examine them and then um I usually have handouts from the previous sessions okay there anyways for for folks and so the, and it's a, and the right now it's running an hour because an hour okay. is a good time because we spend probably yeah. out of an hour we spend I'm gonna say about 36 to 40 minutes in meditations. Okay. You know, and, and they're all guided. Yeah. So, because I think, you know, many people don't have much experience and it helps them. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if they're just starting out, you know, they kind of need the guided meditations to kind of ease them into it. And yeah, we all, we all do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, I know, know I did. <laughs> yeah. And I still like, yeah, like we said before, I mean, I still like certain guided ones. And although I've heard them before, I know it's coming. Yeah. You know? Um, but, you know, but, but it's an interesting because we can go to a movie and we can sit there with our movie. We can mindlessly eat this popcorn. That's probably not the healthier thing for us. <laughs> but don't we focus on that movie screen and we kind of zone out? Yeah. And then when something that happens, out there, this movie screen is scary. We, oh, we get scared because we're so fo- our mind is so focused on that. Yeah. And, and you know, the average movie with the commercials is like you're you're in there for two and a half hours now. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can zone out during the commercials, and who isn't checking their phone? Everybody's on their phone until the, the thing come on and say, okay, now really turn Shut off, off your, your phones, phone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but think about a movie. Think about how you're able to focus, and if you're able to go to a movie. And focus what's happening on the movie screen. You can meditate. Yeah, and I think everybody has done that. So everybody pretty there's much. There's no excuse. And if you're not doing it at the movie theater, you're surely you're surely doing it on the TV. Oh, absolutely. You know, watching the same episode of Friends for the fiftieth time, <laughs> laughing at the same jokes like it's the first time you heard them. Or The Office. I have a yeah. client that watches The there you Office go. over and over. Yeah, whatever your 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 um, you know, my, for me it was Casablanca. I mean, I watched, yeah, I've seen it over a hundred times, and I like like. For the first time watching it. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's part of that mind. So I think, so if you say, well, I can't focus my mind. No, you watch TV. Yeah, and absolutely. You, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. So. Well, Victor, is there anything else you want to add about meditation? Anything we missed? Anything you feel like people need to know? Well, I think I, I come back to um, what is instrumental with me with doing meditative practice is you've got to combine it with leading an ethical life. Yes, I you agree. Know, because if you don't, if you're ripping off people, if you're gossiping, if you're lying, that's going to play on your mind. 
So your yes. mind will never be to the spot that it needs to be to start developing that kind of balance. If, you know, if, you know, the Tibetans call it, they laugh at Westerners because they say, oh, you come to these retreats, you take a shower with the retreat, you get out, and what's the first thing you do is you jump back into a mud hole. Yeah. And then when I'm covered with enough mud, oh, it's time for me to go take another shower. Yep. Um, so, you know, so I think that if we lead a life where we're just hurting people, regard, you know, regard, whatever hurting people may look like at that point, um, that we're not, you know, we're not able to really focus in a manner that is going to ever benefit us. Absolutely. So I think, and then patience and perseverance. Oh, yep. Back to patience and perseverance. Yep. So. Ethics, patience, and perseverance. I like not, it. Not a bad way to lead your life. <laughs> That's, <think>. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone should do this. <laughs> Never seen anybody get in trouble with those three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So do, does the Fountain of Health, do they have a website where they can yeah, they yeah. uh, check out more information on your workshop and see what else they have to offer there? And um, I'm going to have to go take one of your workshops. I think that would be awesome. Well, I'd, I'd love to have you there. Like I said, yeah. Lindsay, you have a great, great energy. And just Thank to have you. you in the room, I think, would, would benefit us all. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so everybody tuning in, I just want to let you guys know, um, fountainofhealth.com, right? It's or, the gut yoga, G-U-T-Y-O. Yeah, it, 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 just Google Fountain of Health. Just Google Fountain of Health. Yoga studio, yeah. <laughs> and you'll be able to find out more information on Victor's workshop and everything else they have to offer. Um, thank you for tuning in today, and we will catch you on the next podcast. All right, that was good.